Welcome to the Logically Faithful Podcast, Season 2. I am your host, Keldon Swice. I am Associate Professor of Philosophy at the City Colleges of Chicago and Tutor of Philosophy with Oxford University. I have been studying the Christian faith, philosophy of religion, and apologetics for over two decades and have authored three books. I am the father of two amazing children and the husband of one incredibly beautiful wife. I am here to help you find evidence for your faith in Christ so that you can deal with suffering in life like I did for greater fulfillment that is life-changing. I am excited that you're with me on this journey. Let's go ahead and get started. Abandoned, betrayed, left alone by God. Do you feel like life itself comes to a point where Misery is the only thing that you see at the end of the tunnel. Darkness has encompassed you. You're not alone. Many people have gone through this. Matter of fact, as I speak, more people than I can possibly name. And let me give you an inside information here. People who are deeply religious, people who are deeply spiritual. One of the uh, very interesting things about this is that they doubt as well. Some of the most Strong, some of the strongest people in the history of faith have gone through the deepest, darkest of doubts. And doubts do not leave. By the way, doubt itself is not the opposite of faith. No, <laughs> it's unbelief. It's an unwillingness to bend the heart that's part of the uh, aspect of being the opposite of faith. Uh, doubt is part of faith. Matter of fact, d- doubt and faith are almost like dance partners on the journey of life. They go back and forth. If you doubt, that means you have a faith. That means you are uh, alive, (laughs) spiritually speaking, in a sense that you are questioning where to go and where to go next. It's a part of the journey. So embrace it and move forward with it. Rene Descartes, one of the greatest philosophers uh, who has ever lived, who is also a Christian, said, if you would be a real seeker of truth, it is necessary that you at least once in your life doubt as far as possible all things. Uh, So in order for you to really believe anything, you have to start doubting everything. Uh, It's part of the process. As you grow, as you mature, uh, doubt is part of the journey. Embrace that. It's not an easy part, though. It's a struggling part. I mean, I went through it myself. I really struggled. Um, And I, I, I still am here. I've emerged through it. And this is something that a lot of people have to go through. As a matter of fact, if you go and read the scriptures, it's full of people who doubt. It's full of real people with real doubts. For example, in Psalm 10, it says, uh, the psalmist complains about God hiding. He says, why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself from me in times of trouble? Uh, this is lamentation that many people have gone through. Uh, for example, furthermore, the psalmist says, when I feel secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, When you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face from me, I was dismayed. I rouse yourself, O Lord. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face from me? Why do you forget our afflictions and our oppressions? This is in the Psalms. The Psalms are in the scriptures. Matter of fact, you know who cried out one of the greatest cries of faith ever? It was Jesus. 
Jesus himself said, Why, O God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And who has stronger faith than Jesus did? With that said, let's move forward here in this podcast because in my point here is to point out that in the darkness of doubt, trust what you know is true when you are in the light. In the darkness of doubt, trust what you know is true when you are in the light. And then you can move forward with it and learn from it. I remember I was teaching a philosophy original religion course uh, a number of years ago and one of my students uh, her name was Aisha. She was uh, about 60-some years old, one of my older students. Uh, I'm getting there too, by the way. <laughs> and um, she uh, came to me one day after uh, class and said, I, I took your suggestion, Professor, and I started to research and investigate uh, the re- religious tradition I was in, which happened to be the Nation of Islam, which is an offshoot of uh, Islam. And she said, I found out things about Elijah Muhammad and the uh, founders of the faith that are shaking me to my core. I'm not sure if I'm ready to embrace the rest of it. I I encouraged her to continue on that process, to do it slowly, because it's not going to be easy, but it will be worth it. Because Jesus himself said, the truth will set you free. But I'm going to add to that, that it may have to break your heart first. I'm not sure what happened to Aisha, but I do know that she was seeking and it's a process that starts. I hope that she didn't make it end. Uh, walk with me as I go through this with you. If you have the scriptures with you, I strongly recommend you open it up to Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is a wonderful psalm about doubt, about struggling through the waters and navigating through the waters of faith. And the psalmist there starts off by saying that God is good. He's good to those who are pure in heart. And he says, as for me, but as for me, My feet have almost stumbled. My steps have nearly slipped. Why? Because I was envious, envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He talks about when he looks at the uh, good people in his life, they're they're living uh, lives that are, uh, they're struggling. But when he looks at the bad people or the people who take advantage of others, they seem to be prospering. They have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're not in trouble. They're not stricken. They're not bothered. Their pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell through their fatness and their hearts overflow with folly. He's seeing them and he's seeing them succeed and he's having doubts. And then he hears them say, how can God know us? Is there any knowledge of God? Come on, God doesn't know about us. God doesn't care. Why do you care? And they continue to live their lives in riches while the righteous suffer. And the psalmist says, I struggled with this. I I pulled my hair out over it. How could it be? But then he says this, when you get to verse 16. He says, but when I thought about this, I began to understand something. I began to turn my heart back to the sanctuary of God. And then, in verse 17, he says this, and then, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. See, when we turn back to God, when we turn back to the, uh, the, the divine, the transcendent, we recognize that life itself is fleeting, that it doesn't last forever. And all these good things, these wonderful things, we can enjoy them. But if we take them at the expense of our spiritual walk with God, at the expense of the eternal, we can lose, not only them, we'll lose also our soul in the process. See, the psalmist says in verse 18, Truly you set them in slippery places. You made them fall to ruin. 
how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O oh Lord, you rouse yourself. You despise them as phantoms. Isn't that amazing? It's saying that uh, those who turn from God become like dreams, like phantoms. Um, some of the skeptics will tell us that God is just a figment of our imagination, or we are, God is just one of our dreams, and that we have uh, uh, pontificated about and created as an illusion for many to follow. And there's some truth to that, people who do create a lot of these fantasies and mythologies. But could it be the reverse? And this is where I'm moving toward this. Is it possible that we are the dream of God? We are His creation, not the other way around. And He's taking that creation and giving it life. He's giving it heart. The psalmist says, When my soul was embittered, when, my, when I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire, desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So as I said earlier, don't doubt in the dark what you know is true in the light. Move forward with your faith. Uh, and take those doubts, work at them. Let them empower you to dig deeper into your faith. Matter of fact, the problem with doubt is that it, many people think it's the opposite of faith, as I mentioned earlier, and they walk away. And the millennial generation, the newer generation, has has been shown that that's, this has been shown in the new generation of them walking away from their faith in record numbers. The Pew Research Study has done work on this and showing that the number of nuns or those who deny faith at all is exponentially growing. Take a look at the Pew Research Center study from 2011-2014 on this. And uh, the, the concept of people walking away from their faith is nothing new, but the numbers seem to show that it's staggeringly higher than the older generations. Uh, it's not something that we can dismiss, but we need to engage these younger people and provide them answers for the questions they're seeking, and more importantly, provide them an avenue or a place where they can ask the questions. Because, of course, we won't have answers to every question there is. But we can have and provide a relationship where people can feel comfortable to come and engage those questions on a deeper level and not walk away with superficial answers. That's why it's so important to engage in the areas of apologetics, where one can dive deep into their faith and look into some of the wonderful answers that the great Christian tradition has provided for us in the past. So I hope this is helpful for you. And you know what's... Let me, let me close with uh, a story from one of my favorite authors, which I mention almost every podcast, C.S. Lewis. You see, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The, uh, the Silver Chair, which was uh, part of the series of the Chronicles of Narnia. And in The Silver Chair, the story is about a young girl named Jill, and Jill is looking for a stream of water because she's very thirsty. And here's how it goes. It goes like this. So Jill got up and looked around her very carefully, and there was no sign of the lion. But her thirst was very bad, and she puckered up her courage to go look for the running water. The wood was still, and that it was not difficult to decide where the sound was coming from. She continued to move along into it, and sooner than she expected, she came into an open glade and saw a stream, bright as a glass, running through the turf of a, a stone thrown away from her. A stone throw away from her. 
But although the sight of the water made her feel ten times thirstier than before, she didn't run forward to drink. She stood still as if she had been turned to stone and her mouth wide open. As she had very good reason to, just on the side of the stream lay the lion. It lay with its head raised and its two four paws out in front of it, like the lions of the Takfir Square. She knew at once that it had seen her, for its eyes looked straight into hers, and for a moment, and then turned away as if it knew her quite well. If I run away, it'd be after me in a moment, she thought. And if I go on, I shall run straight into its mouth. Ah, anyway, she couldn't have moved if she wanted to, for she was terrified. She came closer to the stream, and she began to ask the questions to herself, should I go forward? But she couldn't take her eyes off the lion. Drink, said the lion. May I, go, may I, may I, 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 I would, you, you must go away while I do, said Jill. The lion answered this only by look and a very loud growl, a low growl. And Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, and she realized she may as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious, ripping noise of the stream was driving her frantic. Would you promise not to do anything to me if I come, she said. I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had taken a step nearer. Do you eat girls, she asked. I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. But it didn't say it as if it was boasting, nor if it was sorry, nor if it was angry. It just said it. I, I, I daren't come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, she said, coming, into, uh, uh, coming uh, another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no other stream. You see, Christ is the only hope for all mankind. He himself said it in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is no other stream, guys. There is no other way to go. When you doubt God in the darkness, trust what you know in the light so you can get through it because he is the light and you can trust him because if you look close at him, you will notice his hands are pierced, pierced with the wounds of love from the cross. Don't doubt in the dark what you know is true in the light. Go through it, struggle through it, and in the end, you'll find something amazing as your faith begins to develop and grow. Okay, let me wrap this up. The first thing you need to do as you go through the period of doubt and trusting and doubting uh, God is to trust. Trust that He loves you and He knows what He's doing. In the same way a child would trust his father jumping off a building so he can catch him in a fire. I remember when my kids were little, they um, would jump in the water and learn to swim. But they were afraid at first, which is normal. And I would always coax them to jump in, jump, jump to my hands. And then finally, when they learned to trust me that I would catch them, they were able to jump in the water on their own. Jump into the water of life, guys. 
God has specifically created it for you to grow through it. And in going through it, you grow and, and then you develop and become stronger and better than you are before. First is trust. Two, write down your doubts about God and to God. The Psalms are full of people who doubt. Isaiah doubted. Jesus uh, doubted. Uh, Moses doubted. Guys, I doubted. The most important people of history doubted uh, that if they can doubt, we can doubt. And we can be, feel safe to do that. Write them down. Shout out your screams. Shout out your pains. Be real about it because God can handle it. And I think when you write it down and start expressing it, you can start engaging your faith, engaging yourself on a deeper level. A uh, third thing you can do is research. Get off your blessed behind and do some research to the questions you struggle with. And um, as you research them, you may find more questions. And then you'll be able to b go through um, a period where you can help others who are struggling. And I remember when I struggled through different periods of my faith, the more research I did, the more I found answers that I never even knew were there. So thank you for being with me. Let me uh, go ahead and wrap this up to the final part of the podcast, which is the question and answer session. This is a question from Jessica. She asks, Dear Professor Swice, thank you for the podcast and making me think. I have been a Christian for a little more than a year, and I have many doubts. How can I come to a point in my faith where I am fully confident? Thank you, Jessica, for your question. You know, um, as I mentioned to you in the previous podcast, I went through deep periods of doubt when my son died, when I was at the verge of suicide. And uh, honestly speaking, Jessica, I've never come to a point where I'm completely confident about everything. And honestly, I don't think anybody can come to a point where they're completely um, honest uh, to say that they have no doubts at all. I don't think it's possible. And um, a previous podcast, I mentioned this, I'll mention it again. So when I proposed to my wife, I, um, I uh, drove her crazy with the questions I would ask her. Matter of fact, I wrote her a detailed letter, six-page letter with footnotes, <laughs> letting her know that I'm interested in pursuing her. But it took me four years to finally propose, propose to her um, and to ask her to marry me um, because I had so many doubts. And the point is to come to that point where I had to trust. I had to trust her based on what I know and take the leap of faith. You're going to have to come to that point. Because right now, she's with the kids, and I'm doing this podcast. How do I know that she's with the kids? How do I know she's not doing something else? Because of her prior commitment to me and who she is as a person and her character, I can trust her when I'm not there. At the same time, you can trust God through your doubts. You can investigate, and God gave you a mind to investigate. But continue to move forward, because you cannot move forward, Jessica, unless you engage your doubts and be honest with them. I can't move forward and get married. I can't keep questioning forever. Juliet is not going to wait forever. You'll have to come to a point where you are going to engage your questions, and then you'll have to take a step of faith. Go ahead and do that, and I think you'll be the better for it. Thank you for the question. And if you guys have a question for me, feel free to send it to Kaldun at logicallyfaithful.com. Kaldun is spelled Kaldun, K-H-A-L-D-O-U-N at logicallyfaithful.com, and I'll be happy to engage your questions there. Thank you for being with me. Uh, feel free to sign up on logicallyfaithful.com uh, to get a free ebook called Blind Spots of Science, 10 Things You Cannot Prove with Science Alone. And guys, I would really appreciate it if you left me a review uh, on iTunes if you found this to be a very helpful podcast. Thank you for being with me. Go make the world a better place, one life at a time.